If you would open up the Bible in the scriptures to the book of John, please, today. To the book of John. Now, if you weren't with us on Friday night, we began a new series. And um, I believe it would benefit you to take the time to uh, watch it or listen to it. The title of the series is The Blame Game. (laughs) The Blame Game. And uh, very important things about looking to God and uh, taking responsibility instead of blaming others. A lot of things to know there and learn there. But today we also begin a new series. And the name of the series is Eternal Life. Eternal Life. Now I want you to get stirred up and get ready and pay attention because this, as you hear the title, life, it'll change your life. It'll give you life. This is one of the greatest things we could ever talk about. In John the third chapter, in verse 1, we're going to read a, a few verses here. John 3 and verse 1. He said, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said to him, verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I've heard foolish people mock about people being born again. Oh, those are those born again folks. Friend, it is the only way, as you'll see, to this eternal life that we're talking about. You must be born again. And if you don't know what that is, that's an indication that you're not. You need to stay focused. And listen carefully for the next minutes. To receive. He said, uh, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water, And of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So he said, uh, without being born again, you can't see the kingdom of God and you can't enter into the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Everybody said out loud, you must be born again. He said, uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. There's another dimension called spirit that you cannot see. You you cannot touch it. You cannot smell it. you, You cannot hear it with the physical senses. But it is real. You you just you have to accept this by faith according to the Word of God, but it's It's really obvious to honest people. You know, if you'll be 
honest, you know there's more to you than this. Yes, you got a brain, but that's not your mind. Are we going to say there's nothing more to us than chemical synapses, than uh, flesh and blood and bone? Where does the creativity come from? And where does love come from? And joy and all these things. We're more than material. We are spirit. We've been made in the likeness and image of God who is spirit. And when he says born again, Nicodemus said, uh, how can a man be born again? How can you enter your mother's womb and be? See, he's thinking totally naturally, flesh. And that's why Jesus begins to talk to him about spirit. There's not just flesh, but there is spirit. This realm that we can touch and see and feel is material, but it is not all that exists. God exists. He's real. And people, you know, foolish people say, well, I I can't see God. How do you find God? You can't see him with this eye. (laughs) He's spirit. We're talking about another realm, another dimension that exists simultaneously with this one, and actually this came out of that realm, the realm of the Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Keep going. Marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again. He's talking about born of the Spirit. Keep reading in verse 8 here. The wind blows where it lists, and you hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell whence it come and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now let's just stop here. Here he gives us a a wonderful, perfect example of Spirit, and that is the wind. Now, no intelligent person alive would say they don't believe in wind. (laughs) because it's there. But if you say, I saw the wind, well, no, you didn't. You haven't seen the wind. You saw what the wind did. (laughs) You saw the wind move the tree branches. You saw the wind blow something across the parking lot. You felt the wind. And yet, you didn't feel What pushed the wind? (laughs) Are y'all with me, saints? The Spirit of God through Jesus, the Master, is giving us an example, enabling us to understand Spirit. We know wind is real. And yet, all wind is, is air in motion. But something's pushing the air. Something you can't see. (laughs) It's a pressure wave, and there are natural ways to explain it in our, you know, environment, and yet you don't see what's pushing the air that we call wind, and you don't see the Spirit who gives life, but He's there. Something is making your heart beat. Something is causing the light of your eyes. 
and the brightness and understanding of your mind to exist and to continue. Something is causing our star, the sun, to burn and shine. Something is causing gravity to hold our feet on the ground and the planets in orbit. Something you cannot see. Spirit. And God is spirit. And everyone born of him is born of the spirit. Verse 9, keep going. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Nicodemus is obviously a, a good man, respectful of Jesus, honest man, but he's saying, how in the world could that be? He doesn't understand it. Jesus said to him, are you a master of Israel and know not these things? In other words, these are things we ought to know. Verily, verily, I say to you, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and you received not our witness. I, if I've told you of earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? So there is an earth that we can see, and we know about that, but there's also a heaven that we haven't seen, and it is real. He said, no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now he had to, the Bible had to be lifted up, talking about on the cross, he must be lifted up because we must be born again. And we could not be born again unless he was offered up and lifted up. Verse 15, why was he lifted up? that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why was he offered up? Why did the word, which was unseen and spirit, become flesh that you could see and hear and touch? Why did he go to the cross? Why did he shed his blood? Why did he go to the heart of the earth and pay the price? Why was he raised from the dead? Why? So that everyone who believes on him should not perish, but should have eternal life. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Said out loud, eternal life. Say it, say it with me, eternal life. One more time, eternal life. Now, like all the scripture, both of these words have great significance. And you have to watch about thinking you know what they mean. Eternal. What does that mean, eternal? Let, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Let me finish reading the, the passage here. He said that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have what? Eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have 
everlasting life. So he calls it eternal life in verse 15, and verse 16 he calls it everlasting life. Same idea, same concept. If you skip down a few verses to the 36th verse, toward the end of the same book, John 3, verse 36, he had said, He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. Now, we'll get into this, I believe, more as we go, but eternal life is the actual present possession of every believer. Hallelujah. Not just something that we're going to get in the future. He that believes on the Son, what? Has. Hath, King James says, we'd say has. Not going to get. Has everlasting life. He that believes not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Now, uh, things that we, we've heard enough that it's common to us, we have to watch about assuming we understand them. Even the idea of life and death. What is life? What is death? Many have wrong ideas about this. Life is not existence. And death is not ceasing to exist. For one thing, many millions on the planet believe that life is existence, physical, natural existence. They're alive. And death is when you cease to exist. Both of those statements are untrue, not true. Life is much more than existence. (laughs) Life is, if you look up the words where it says eternal life, that word for life is zoe. And if you look into the other verses where it's used, it refers to life as God has it. (laughs) The life that God is. I mean, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. Jesus said, I am the way and the life. Hallelujah. And the light. The Word of God is called the Word of life. Not the Word of existence. (laughs) No. Life is much more than existence. Life is the, the quality of existence as God has it. It's experiencing reality and communion with life himself. Oh, hallelujah. And eternal life is experiencing existence with God without end. Everlasting. Oh, somebody say eternal life. Eternal life. How do you get it? (laughs) Who has it? I mean, this is something there's been conjecture. I mean, uh, who was it? The the Spanish explorer, Ponce de Leon. He came and searched, uh, even in Florida, I think, you know, for 
for the fountain of life, you know. People are, they're looking for relics. They're looking for this or that chalice. They're looking for what? Something that you could drink of, that you could take, that would cause you to live forever, that you would never die. Well, Ponce de Leon didn't find it. And everybody after him didn't find it. And and I know that people are putting their hopes in miracle drugs and treatments, but I'm sorry to tell you, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen that people will find something that will enable them to live forever and not die. There's only one source, hallelujah, of eternal life, and that is the Son. Everybody say the Son. S-O-N, capital S, the Son. What Son? The Father's Son. The Creator of heaven and earth, His Son, whom He gave to give and bring light and life to the world. Look at it in verse 36. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. When you're born again, just like in the natural, that life wasn't there until that life was conceived and then that life was born. And now there's another human being, there's another life on the planet. That's the example Jesus gave. Well, even though you were born of flesh, you didn't have eternal life until you were born again. And when you're born again, you're born of the Spirit, the eternal Spirit of life. And now my nature is made up from His nature. He is eternal. I am born of the eternal And those who have faith in the Son have, right now, actual, present possession, everlasting life. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Are you a believer? Say it out loud. I'm a believer, and I have, right now, eternal life. Oh, hallelujah. Man, when when this dawns on your spirit, It changes the way you think. It changes the way you see things. And one of the biggest things it does for you is deliver you from the fear of death. Because if I'm going to exist forever, why do I have to be tormented by the fear of a temporal death, physical death? Go with me, if you would, to Hebrews, the second chapter. Thanks be to God. In Hebrews, the second chapter, Hebrews 2 and verse 8. Hebrews 2 and 8. It says, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. Now, let's, if you put this with 1 Corinthians 15 you'll see that he's including in this death. 
1 Corinthians 15 tells us that death is the last enemy that will be put underfoot. Death is not a friend. It's an enemy. And uh, man was not created to die. If Adam and Eve hadn't have sinned and disobeyed God and taken of the forbidden fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, they would have been allowed to stay in the garden where the tree of life is and was. And they could have partaken of the tree of life and lived in perpetuity forever without aging and without dying. We're going to see this later on in in the study. That tree still exists. (laughs) And we're going to get access to it in time to come. There are other things that it's involved with besides just what we're talking right now. But that's why in Genesis it was written that, you know, the, uh, the man, the woman, have become like one of us, taking the knowledge of the good and evil. Now, lest they partake of the tree of life and live forever, that's when he sent the angel to guard the way and they were driven out of the, uh, the garden. Keep them away from the tree of life and from living forever in a fallen, corrupted state. You know, thank God for the blessings of this life, but I don't want to be here forever. <laughs> where the curse is, where aging, where all the cruelty and all the sorrow and junk is, you and I should view this that we are on a mission down here. And we got a job to do. And as soon as we complete our job and our task, we're out of here. And if he comes early before we live our life out and the trumpet sounds, that's just wonderful too. We're out of here. This place is dark and cursed and fallen. It is not where God intends that we live forever. There's going to be new heavens and new earth wherein dwells righteousness, wherein is no curse. And all we experience is life as God has it and knows it in perpetuity. Without end, without ceasing. Can somebody say amen? So he said, you put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. That includes death. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Death is still happening in this planet, but there will come a time when that will be over. In uh, verse 9, But we see Jesus. Oh, somebody say Jesus. This is the son he was referring to in John. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for what? For the suffering of death. That's why he had to become a man. Because he couldn't die as spirit, as the son of God. He had to, the Word had to become flesh in every respect like us in order to die. Why? Why would he need to die? 
He was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. He died and he experienced death, not for himself, but for everyone who would ever believe on him. Why? So that we would not die spiritually, we would not die the second death, and in the truest sense of all, we would never die at all. Now, this is a great revelation, and you'll have to stay hooked with me to to, to get a hold of this. But did Jesus or did he not taste death for every man? Why did he do it? Why did he do it? Go with me. Hold your place here in Hebrews. We're not done here. We'll need to come back. But go with me to the book of John. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. John 11 and verse 25. John eleven twenty-five. Now, this is where Lazarus had died and had been buried days ago. And you know, Jesus stayed and didn't go until a few days had passed. And then when he went, Lazarus' uh, sisters came. And they were really upset with him because they had faith in his, the anointing of healing and deliverance and miracle working on his life. And they had seen it. And they had thought if he had been there, then their brother wouldn't have died. And, and they were so upset about it. And uh, Jesus said to her, the sister that had been saying, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life wonder what life he's talking about here. It's, it's that eternal life, that everlasting life. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, now that's physical death. Though he were physically dead, yet shall he live. Physical death is not the end. It is not a ceasing of existence. Life is not just existing. Eternal life is not just existing forever. Life is something much more. I'm acknowledging I don't have the words to describe it. (laughs) When you see life, when you see when a, a A baby becomes a baby in the earliest stages of development in its mother's womb. What happened? Doctors and scientists and researchers have been able to follow the uh, stages of development from conception to this stage, to this stage, to this stage. But no one has seen what causes that. (laughs) No one has seen what causes the light of our minds are the source of love, our joy, our peace. What is it? It's life. It's life. Oh, somebody say life. Life. 
And there is no life apart from God. Hallelujah. There's existence apart from God, but that's called death. Are y'all with me, friends? That is not life. That's death. If you're separated from life, what are you? (laughs) Dead. And you can be dead while you live. Remember scripture talks about that? Being dead while you live. Dead while you exist, you could also say. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me. Now this is not everybody. Everyone isn't going to heaven. Everyone on the planet isn't going to live happily ever after with God and with righteous people. People try to say that. They try to imply it, that no matter if people are atheists, if people worship false gods, that when they die, oh, well, praise God, they went to a happier place. Not if they haven't been born again. They didn't. It's simply not true. They didn't cease to exist, but they're not with God. They're somewhere else. So we need to quit pretending and we need to quit propagating fairy tales, things that are not true. You know, things are either real or they're not. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me shall what? Shall never die. Say it out loud. Shall never die. Say it again. Shall never die. Say it another time. Shall never die. Shall never die. Then he said, do you believe this? Believest thou this? Now this wasn't just recorded for Mary and Martha. This is recorded for everybody. This question is the biggest question that anybody will ever answer. Do you believe this? Do you believe what? Do you believe there is life after death? Do you believe there is heaven and hell? Do you believe there is a realm of spirit? Do you believe there is a God? Do you believe that he sent his son, Jesus, to be the only savior and only source of eternal life? If you don't believe it, you're in trouble. If you do believe it, you got it made forever. You are the current present possessor of eternal life. And that life is experiencing existence and reality as God does with him and his without ever ending. He said, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Do you believe this? Verse 27, she said, yes, Lord. How many know this is the right answer? This is the right answer. Do you believe? Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Oh, hallelujah. This would save the whole planet right here. Right here. Just answering this question correctly from the heart. Do you believe? Do you believe? The answer is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the anointed one, 
the Messiah, the Son of God that should come into the world. You are the author of eternal life. You are my Savior and the one who gave me life, caused me to be born again. Can you say hallelujah? Now back up to the previous verse. Well, actually, before that, verse 25, he said, uh, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead. So he's acknowledging that you can die physically. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So to the uh, unenlightened, that'd sound like a contradiction. Because you'd say, well, he said, yeah, but though you were dead, you'll live. And then he says, but you'll never die. It has to do with understanding what death is. Go with me to 1 John. We'll work our way back to Hebrews here. 1 John. And I believe it's the third chapter, if we'd look there. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. I I believe we're making progress. Don't you think so? 1 John 3 and 14. 1 John 3, 14 says, We know, now this is not some conjecture, our hope, our wishful thinking. We know we have passed from what? Death to life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides or is still in death. Death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has what? Eternal life abiding in him. What is, what is death? Let's back up to the previous verse, verse 14, when he says, we know we've passed from death to life. Well, uh, at the time of him writing that, he wasn't physically dead. There's no indication that he, like Lazarus, had been physically dead and resurrected. So what's he talking about? Well, death is not cessation of life. Every human being, when they're born physically, and before they have any knowledge of good and evil, of right and wrong, their spirits are alive to God and in communion with Him. They are alive. But, like Paul talks about in the book of Romans, when sin revived, I died, he said. He's not talking about physical death. What, what happened? When you come to the age, and that varies with each individual, where the, you, you know what's right and you choose wrong. You know what is good, but you choose something else. You choose not to obey the Lord, just like Adam and Eve did. What did he tell them? In the day you disobey me, I'm paraphrasing, you will die. You'll surely die. And yet, they didn't physically die until hundreds of years later. But did they die? They did. They died the day they did that. They died inside. They died in spirit. What is death? 
One of the simplest ways I know to understand spiritual death is just the one word, separation. Separation. Physical death is when the spirit separates from the body. As long as my spirit is in this body, the life that's in my body is coming from my spirit. That life is coming from the spirit of life himself who's in my spirit. What keeps my heart beating? What keeps my, my mind functioning? The synapses of my brain? What keeps me breathing? That's my spirit. The spirit of life that's in me. You can tell when the spirit's there because of breath. Breath and spirit are connected. Just like wind. <laughs> the example the Lord gave us of wind. What's pushing the air? Causing the wind. That's something you can't see. Well, you're sitting right there. You're breathing. You breathe in. You breathe out. Somebody said, well, I can explain that. You know, you're, you got ribs and you got muscles. And when these ribs and muscles move, it can compress your lungs and release them. And, and that helps. Her. Yeah, but where does the life force come from to cause that? That's your spirit. You are a spirit and a soul. And you have a mind. And as long as that spirit is inside this body together, then we, we call my body alive. But if my spirit comes out of this body, is separated from the body, there is, there'll be no life in this body. It'll stop breathing. Everything, activity will cease. Why? Because the life, the source of the life part has come out of it. Now that didn't mean that I stopped existing. People who only walk by sight, who, who don't believe the Bible, who don't believe in God, they're terrified of death because to them it is the end. It is blackout. It is cessation of existence. But they believe lies. They believe lies. It's not true. Death is not cessation of existence. Death is separation. Physical death is when my spirit is separated from my body, then the body will fall on the floor and we'll have to go bury it because it's not any good anymore until the Lord comes back and changes it. But what about the spirit? Because this is not talking about physical death. What happened when people come to the age of accountability and they know right from wrong and they choose wrong and instead of choosing God, they choose something else. Then like Romans says, like Paul said there, sin, when sin came alive, when sin revived, I died. What does that mean? At that point, I was separated from God who is life. I still exist, but I'm not experiencing life. I'm not living with God and as God knows life. Separa Everybody say separation separation. Death is separation. Separation of the spirit from the body, separation of the spirit or being from God. Both of them are death. Physical death, spiritual death. He said, we know we've passed from death to life 
from being separated from God who is life to life, which means what? Being born again, now united with life. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. I've been made alive. I'm not just alive physically. I'm alive spiritually. I'm in union with life because we love the brethren. The indication that I've been born again is that the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And if I can hate people, and that doesn't bother me at all, that's an indication I've not been born again. The love of God has not been shed abroad in my heart. Thank God we have passed from death unto life. Thank God the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Look in 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter. How many like this idea about eternal life? Do you, do you like this? I, I should hope so. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 7. He said, uh, to you who are troubled, you know, the Lord's going to give rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with what? Everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. In the book of Revelation, you'll see the term the second death. And it talks about those who rejected God with the devil and his angels being cast into the lake of fire. And the Bible said, which is the second death. What is that? It's a place of separation from God and from his people and from good. And it wasn't God's choice. It was the choice of those. If you don't want God and you don't want to be with him, then whether you realize it or not, you are rejecting life. You are rejecting eternal life. Well, if you reject life, there's nothing left but death, not a cessation of existence, because you will continue to exist just apart from God. And that, my friend, is hell. The worst thing that could happen is not physically dying. The worst thing that can ever happen is being separated from God, who is life. He said everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, verse 9. That is one of the best definitions of spiritual death that I'm aware of. It's everlasting, but it's destruction. And what makes it death is it is from, separation from the presence of the Lord, separation from the glory of his power. Separation from life is death. Separation of the spirit of life from the body 
the body dies. Separation of the spirit and being from God who is life is experiencing death. In closing, please go to Hebrews, where we had you holding your place there. Hebrews, the second chapter. One of the greatest things that happens when you're born again and when you, uh, when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior is you get delivered, <laughs> delivered. And what you get delivered from is mentioned here in Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2 and 8 and 9. We see verse 9, Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. How could Jesus say, standing in front of Lazarus' tomb, if you believe in me, you will never die? Never die. Even though other scripture says it's appointed unto man one time to die, and after this the judgment. We know if the Lord tears his coming and doesn't come before our natural lifespan, we'll live out our days and we'll die physically. Our, our spirit will leave our body. So, what, how can he say, if you believe on me, you'll never die? Here, here's a great truth, a great revelation, friend. Though your spirit leaves your body, a believer in Christ will not even taste death. You won't experience death because death is separation from God. And when you slip out of your body, believers, I'm convinced, many, many times, but it may be the most common thing of all, believers, when they die physically, there may be a, a moments before they even realize that they have died. They just slip out of their body and they're, they're aware of light. They're aware of being free from the oppressions of this dark realm. And only when they look and see their body do they realize, oh, <laughs> oh, I, uh, I died physically. I'm, I'm separated from my body. But they didn't go through the jaws of death. They didn't go through the anguish and torment of death because death is being separated from God. And I've been born of him and I'm not separated from him. I'm joined unto him. I'm one spirit with life. And whether in the body or out of the body, Paul said, I couldn't tell. <laughs> whether in the body or out of the body, I am never separated from life from God. And I never will be separated from life from God. And so the Lord tears is coming and the time comes for me to leave my body. I won't even taste death. I won't smell it. I won't feel it. It won't torment me. Why? Because Jesus already tasted death for me. He took the torment of it. He took the anguish of it. He took the separation. Do you remember what he cried out? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What is that separation? And he, he gave up the ghost. He expired. His spirit left his body. He died. 
Not only did he die physically, he was separated for that brief amount of time. He experienced and tasted and experienced the horror, the anguish, the torment of death so that we would never die. We'll leave our body, but we won't die. We'll leave our body, but we won't experience this anguish and torment and horror of darkness and blackness and separation from God. We will slip out of our body and we will go into the light. Hallelujah. Into the light of life where we will ever be with the Lord our God. Everlasting life. Can you say amen? Skip down to the 14th chapter in closing, I think. Hebrews 2.14, he said, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, Jesus also himself likewise took part of the same. Why did he do it? We know from the previous verses, verse 8 and 9, so he could taste death. He did it so that through death, He might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. He did it. Jesus allowed himself to be crucified. He allowed himself to be separated. He allowed himself to die, to taste death. His objective was to undo what the devil had done with death, to destroy him that had the power of death, the devil. Verse 15, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now here is one of the greatest things that can happen to you in this lifetime. Fear of death causes you to be imprisoned, causes you to be limited, restricted, incarcerated. Some translations say in chains. Well, that's what bondage is. In cha- well, chains limit you. I know there is a, a lot of fear about the virus that is going across the world. But Whether it's that, or whether it's violence, or whether it's some other disease, or some car accident, or or whatever the case may be, death is death when you're talking about physical separation of the spirit from the body. And if you have not been born again, and if you are not aware that you now presently possess eternal life, and that because of faith in Jesus, You will never in the truest sense die. If you don't have that, then you will live your entire life with a dread of death, a dread, and a fear of this, and a fear of that, and a fear, well, what if this happens? Well, what if that happens? Because people believe that physically dying is the end, it's the worst possible thing that could ever happen to you. That's a lie. That's not true. It's not the end. Separation from God is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. When it dawns on you 
Jesus already died for me. He already took my place. He already tasted death for me. And since I've been born again, I've done all the dying I'm ever going to (laughs) do. Yes, if the Lord tarries his coming, there will come a day when I slip out of my body. It stops breathing, but I won't die. Jesus said, if you believe on me, you will never die. I won't die. I won't be separated from God. I won't be separated from life. I won't be separated from life and peace and joy. I'll just be separated temporarily from the confinement of this fallen physical vessel until the Lord comes back and resurrects it and makes a body that can keep up with my spirit that's possessed with eternal life. It will, there's a revelation of this, deliver you from the fear of death. And friend, if you're no longer afraid to die, if you're no longer afraid of death, chains fall off. The devil loses his leverage. The scripture said in 1 John, fear has torment. Torment. And the enemy uses it as leverage. Afraid, I'm going to catch the virus. Afraid, I'm not going to have money. Afraid, I'll lose my job. Afraid, afraid, afraid. All of these come back to a fear of separation and a fear of permanent loss. But the believer has no cause to fear this. We've been born again. And eternal life now is part of our makeup. Our spirit is alive to God and the reason Jesus did what he did and took our place is to deliver those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Let me read this in the Amplified, verse 15. Verse 15. Also that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives. God's word says in this way he would free those who were slaves all their lives because they were afraid of dying. Well, if you're delivered from it, you're no longer afraid of dying. You know what will happen when you stop breathing. You know what will happen if the Lord comes beforehand and the trumpet sounds. You will never be separated from God who is life. You will never stop experiencing this life as God has it and knows it. It's eternal. We're going to be around forever. And you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear whether it's a temporary separation of the body, because I'll never taste it. Jesus tasted it for me. He took it for me. He that believes in him shall never die. (laughs) Stand on your feet, everybody. 
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.